If you would love to create a transformational and successful coaching business, but you don't know where to start or how to make this a full-time career, then my new certification program, Influential Coach, is for you. There is no other four-month live online mastermind like this. I'm going all in, guns blazing on this one with you to skyrocket your coaching career and personal brand online. You will learn the frameworks I personally use for rapid transformational coaching so you can support your clients to achieve their dreams no matter where they are in life. You will also learn how to authentically brand and market yourself as a coach so you can stand out from the rest and build a career of freedom and fulfillment. Spots are limited and this is an application only program. So if you're serious about finally committing to building a successful career in transformational coaching, then head over to imjoelbrown.com slash coach and apply today. I'm super excited to introduce to you the number one leader in self-development right now, the pioneer of peak performance coaching, a best-selling author, and the man who inspired me to fall in love with self-development, Tony Robbins. Tony, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Thank you. Great to be on. Now, I know your latest book, Money Master the Game, has uh, been in the New York Times bestselling charts for 17 weeks now. So first and foremost, congratulations. Thank That's you, That's an awesome effort. Thank you. And, you know, I'm working my way through this book. I've been reading it for a few weeks now, and I think I'm only three chapters in. So it's going to take me a little while to get through this book. But uh, so far, what I see is it's amazing, you know, on creating wealth and managing my finances. And I can't wait to finish this book and then put it into practice. And uh, something else that I heard that you're doing right now with this book is that all the proceeds from all the sales that you make from this book uh, go to Feed America. Is that right, Tony? Yeah, Feeding America is the largest hunger relief organization in the United States. But for the Australian group, we're finding a new partner when I come down next week. I'm coming down to Sydney for an event for 10,000 people. And while I'm down there, I'm meeting with a couple of organizations that'll be the benefactors. But I fed, I fed, my family was fed when I was 11 years old and we had no money and no food during what is the Thanksgiving holiday here in the United States. And it, it changed my life. It made me believe that strangers care. And so it focused my life on how could I give back? So when I was 17, I fed two families and then four and then eight the next year. And then I got my friends involved and eventually I got to a million people a year and then two million people a year through my foundation. And then I started matching it about six years ago. So I fed 42 million people over my lifetime, but with this book, I've already fed 55 million people. I put all the profits in the book that fed 10 million people, and then I just added to it. And now I'm doing matching funds that'll feed 100 million people this year. So it's just my goal to find a way to give back. So the people who read the book will be transformed by it, but for every book that's out there, basically 50 people will be fed in addition to that, which is kind of, kind of wonderful. Wow, what a wonderful goal. And I love that you're living by your words that you share uh, so often, which is, you know, the secret of living is giving. It really is. It really is. And it's not just a, it's not just a joke. I mean, when you, you do the research on money, it's really interesting. What most people think is going to make them happy rarely, if ever, does. And, you know, there's two reasons to master money. One is you get out of pain so you can have freedom in your life so that you can do well for your family. And then there's also the joy that you might be able to get from the utilization of the resource of money. But what's interesting is I found in the research that a lot of people say, you know, once you make more than X amount, in every country they have a number they've researched, usually it's around $65,000. And they say, once you get past that, you know, increasing your income by 50% only gives about a 7% increase in happiness. But the newest research shows that it doesn't matter how much you make, it's how you spend it. And if you spend it on things 
we get very little joy out of spending on things. It doesn't last. We get joy in the moment, but it doesn't last. If you spend it on experiences, you know, you can have five years later and you still have joy from something you spent money on because that memory, that experience, the shared experience especially has tremendous value. The other, the second thing that has impact for people is if you spend it on something that takes away drudgery, something that, that gives, frees up your time and allows you to do something you're more passionate about. When you do that, it radically changes happiness. But the one that affects us the most, and most it sounds artificial or self-serving or phony, but the truth is the one that affects us the most biochemically. They can test this by seeing how when you do things, how it changes your biochemistry. It's actually giving it away. It's actually taking money and giving it to those you love or giving it to strangers. And so I'm not suggesting that you just give everything away, but there's something to be said to not wait. You know, I always tell people, if you won't give a dime out of a dollar, I can promise you, you're not going to give a million out of 10 million or 10 million out of 100 million. It's just not going to happen. You got to start with where you are. And when you do that, you teach your brain there's more than enough. That you're not in a scarce world when you do that. A big part of my life changing was when I had nothing and I gave a lot away and it just, it just taught me to no longer live in fear. And that's, you know, part of mastering money is not only mastering money, but it's really 80% psychology, shifting the way you think and the way you feel. And then 20% is the mechanics of what to do. And that's critically important as well. Yeah, that's a wonderful message. And I hear what you're saying, you know, there's nothing more real than thought, right? Like thought alone is a great place to start for you to be able to get yes. where you really need to be right? Because your body follows your mind. So get your thoughts right and make the actions and you, you get to the place that you desire. Yes. It's a powerful stuff, Tony, powerful stuff. It's true. Now, I know that you've been putting in the hard yards, uh, interviewing lots of these financial experts and thought leaders and world-class high-level achievers. Was there a particular experience that was a major highlight for you during your research for this book? Well, the reason I did it was really the 2008 you know, world economic crisis. Uh, I saw so many people losing their homes, so many people losing half of all their net worth, all that they'd save for retirement literally overnight. And most people don't know it, but I've been coaching one of the top 10 financial traders in the history of the world. This is a man, Paul Tudor Jones is his name, who you know has made more money from more people than just about anybody on earth. But more importantly, his track record is he makes money when everybody else loses as well. You know, in 2008, when you know, the market dropped you know, 51% from peak to trough, he was up 28%. You know, in 1987, when the stock market dropped 20% in a day, still the largest percentage drop in a single day, he made 200% that year for his clients. So it's, I've been coaching him now literally for 21 years. So all of these decades of working with him, literally every single day, seeing how he worked, has given me unbelievable insight that most people would never have. And so I thought, I have the gift of access so if I could interview 50 of the smartest people in the world financially, the most brilliant financial people, people who started with nothing and became multi-billionaires, you know, uh, the, the smartest financial people, you know, people, the hedge fund guys, the people that have won, you know, Nobel Prizes, which I did. If you interview those 50, I can find the common denominator. And so in the book, I go through these seven fundamental steps, simple, simple steps to financial freedom. But probably one of the greatest insights I got is when you see these great financial people you think two things. You think, one, I don't have the kind of money to get started, which is the biggest mistake people make because people have all heard of compounded interest, but they've forgotten or they never understood what it really means. You will never earn your way to a fortune. Right? You can make a million a year, five million a year, 10 million a year. You can go look at guys like Mike Tyson made a billion dollars in his lifetime and went bankrupt. You know, I, I could give you 30 celebrities, he's the most extreme, that lost hundreds of millions of dollars. So earning doesn't do it. What you have to become is an owner. 
an owner of business, an owner of international business, not you know a consumer, but an investor. And the way you do that, as simply as it can matter, is you could say, but I have no money to invest, Tony. I'm just getting started. I'm young, whatever the case be, or all of my money goes to my family. Well, I, I give you a perfect example of the power of this. This guy named Theodore Johnson, he worked for UPS, and he never made more than $14,000 in a year. That's the most he ever earned. And yet, when he was in retirement, he had $70 million US, and he, had no, he didn't inherit anything. In fact, he gave away $35 million while he was alive. And Tony, how is that possible? How do you make 14 grand and end up with 70 million compounding? He had a friend that came to him and said, look, I want you to become an investor. He said, I can't invest. I have no money. That's what everybody said, his friend said. But you know what? If the government came and they added a 20% tax to your current taxes, you'd scream, you'd yell, you'd say, I can't survive, but you'd pay it because you'd have to. So I'm going to create a wealth tax that's going to make you wealthy for a lifetime. We're going to take 20% of your money. And you're going to scream and yell, but you're going to get used to it. I'm going to put it in this investment account. You're never going to touch it. And it's going to compound. Well, that's how you end up with 70 million bucks. The second aha I got, and that was a fundamental aha. I knew that intellectually, but I never knew that scale. And I could give you 50 examples that would blow your mind that if you just get started with a little bit of money and you automate it, where you can really be. But then the question is, where do you put your money? And so, you know, as I'm interviewing all these different investors, Carl Icahn, who's clearly one of the greatest investors in history, Warren Buffett. Most people think of Warren Buffett as the greatest investor. Since 1968, Warren Buffett has had a compounded return of 20%, which is incredible. But Carl Icahn, Time Magazine called him the master of the universe because since 1968, he's had a 30% compounded return. He's had 1,600% return in the last nine and a half years alone. So you know, I'm talking the best of the best. I went to Ray Dalio, a name that many Australians may not know. Many Americans don't know, but he's probably one of the, well, he's not probably, he's the largest hedge fund in the world. Rich people, when they have money, they take it to a hedge fund. And this guy, a big hedge fund might be $15 billion. Ray Dalio is $660 billion. He's 10 times bigger than anybody else on earth. When I went to see him, the, the prime minister of China was on the phone getting coaching on what to do with the financial area. And this is how smart this man is. He's had 21 years in a row of 23% returns, but the guy, is just, he's a genius. And so I asked, I looked at him and I asked him and I asked all these people, if you couldn't give any of your money away to your children, all you could give would be a plan, what would it be? And so he laid out a plan that I put in the book that we back tested it. It's been successful in making money, giving an idea over the last 75 years, not the last five or 10 years, 75 years, it's made money 85% of the time. And the little bit of time it didn't make money, it only lost literally an average of 1.6%. The largest loss it ever saw was 2.9%, meaning if you could go to Las Vegas and you could win 85% of the time, and at the same time, when you lost, you only lost an average of 1.6%. The most you ever lost was 3%. Your average return was 10%. You would gamble all night long. Well, he's done this. In fact, this last year, what he gave me that's in the book, he's never shared it before. Uh, it's, this, it's called the all seasons approach because it makes money in all seasons. That approach last year in the U.S., the stock market, the S&P did 13 and change. It did 15 and change the all seasons. This year, it's winning again. It doesn't have the volatility. So I got real strategies from the most incredible people on earth. But I'll give you one more final element. The biggest aha for me personally was as I talked to these guys that are the masters of the financial universe, I found that they do not act like I thought they acted. I thought they took huge risks. And what you find is that 98% of the best on earth 
they do not take huge risks. They do something called asymmetrical risk reward. What the hell does that mean? Asymmetrical risk reward means they take the least amount of risk humanly possible to get the highest possible reward. If they're going to risk something, they want to risk as little as possible to get a giant return. So for example, there's a man named Kyle Bass who took $50 million of other people's money and converted it to $2 billion during the worst economic crisis in our history, 2008, 2009. How do you go from $30 million to $2 billion? Well, he never risked more than $0.06 cents to try to make a dollar. So think about it. If you risk $0.06 cents and he's wrong, you can risk another $0.06 cents and he's wrong. He can be wrong 15 times and still make money. Well, he wasn't wrong 15 times. And as a result, he made $2 billion. So, you know, if you look at Richard Branson, Richard Branson is a risk taker when it comes to his life, but he isn't when it comes to investing in business. You know, Richard's a friend of mine. You know, he'll go risk his life, you know, go on a balloon, go do some crazy shit. You know, I'm going to go up on, a, on his spaceship. We're all going to schedule to go up there and go on it. You know, he's doing, I mean, that's crazy stuff. But in business, his number one question is, how do I protect the downside? So like when he was creating Virgin Air, you know, he went to Boeing, the big, you know, think about the level of expense you've got, the risk you got buying a business jet, trying to compete with British Air and everybody else. He went to Boeing and made a deal that said, if I lose, if I fail, I get to give you back these planes within two years and I have no liability. It costs me nothing. He took no risk with all upside and he hit a grand slam home run as he's done multiple times in his life. So asymmetrical risk reward. See, the average person tries to risk a dollar to make 20 cents, a dollar to make 10 cents, to make a 10 or 20% return. These people, when they risk a dollar, they want to make five. And they know if they're wrong, I can try it again, risk a dollar to make five. They can be wrong four times out of five and still be okay because they use asymmetrical risk reward in the way they plan things. Wow, that's a bucket load of advice right there. So would you say that financial success is heavily predicated off playing smart and being patient? Like, is that what we should be focusing on if, if we want financial success? Well, you, I, you know, I would say I wouldn't call it patient because I'd say be smart. <laughs> you know, it's, forget patience, be smart. Here's the smart thing. You know, I can, you know, I was talking to uh, a gentleman's Princeton professor who wrote a book that's kind of one of the investment classics of the world of the last 25 years. And his name is Bert Malkiel. And Bert is responsible for creating, you know, uh, the funds that most people you know, when they think about Vanguard, they go, you know, whoever came up with index funds? Well, this is the guy that came up with the idea. And, and Jack Bogle, who built Vanguard, just came up with, you know, applied the idea, put risk to it. But he told me, he said, Tony, the biggest mistake that people make is they just don't understand the value of compounding. And he told me a story of two boys. One starts at 20 years old and he puts aside four grand a year, 300 bucks a month, $300 a month. And he does it for 20 years until he's 40. And then he stops. And he has a brother, that was William, he has a brother named James, who doesn't start till he's 40. This is, you know, as you say, and you know, he's not smart or not patient, whatever you want to call it. And at 40, he finally realizes, oh, I got to do something. So he starts investing, same amount of money, 4000 a year, $300 a month. And he does it not for 20 years, he does it from 40 to 65. So he does it for 25 years. So the guy that spent 4000 a year for 20 years put in 80 grand, his brother put in 100 grand because he did it for 25 years. Well, the question is, who has more money? The guy that started 20 and quit at 40 and never did it again? Or the guy that started 40 and went to 65? Well, you know where this is going, right? But you may not know the difference in the number. The brother that started at 40 and went to 65 and poured more money in has $425,000. The brother that started at 20 and grows at 10% a year ends up with $2 million. 
and did it for less time. So just be smart. Don't be patient. Be smart. If you're a millennial, you can start with a tiny amount. It can truly grow. You know, Einstein said that this concept, this understanding of this multiplier, this geometric effect is one of the most important things to understand in humanity. And most people just don't. So get yourself started. And here's the other thing I'll tell you. Most people overestimate what they can do in a year, but they completely underestimate what they can do in a decade. And I'm here to tell you the decade will happen before you snap your fingers and you'll completely underestimate what you can do in two or three decades as I've now experienced. Incredible. Look, you've been doing this for three decades now, right? And I'm sure that you've seen a lot of changes in the self-development industry. So I want to touch on the self-development industry and I wanted to know what can we do to make sure that we keep the quality there? Because there are a lot of like, you know, people coming up that are calling themselves life coaches and trainers and all sorts. Uh, what would your advice be just to make sure that we keep the quality there? Well, it's interesting. When I started, there was no such thing as a, a life coach or a business coach. You had no one called himself a coach. That was a sports metaphor. I really, 38, 39 years ago, I guess almost 39 years ago, came up with that because I wasn't a motivator, although you know, media still called me that very often because they go see a crowd of 10,000 people and they're jumping and screaming and celebrating like a concert. So they go, oh, he's motivating them. You know, that's never what I did. I, you know, I believe in energy. I believe in inspiration, but I believe more in strategy. So back then I said, what do I do? And I said, well, you know, the people that influenced me as an athlete the most growing up were my coaches. I was a better athlete than some of my coaches, but they still had a huge impact. They didn't have to be better than me to impact me. And so I said, you know, that's what I really am as a coach. And I did that for about 13, 14 years. I remember I was on Larry King. Oh, Larry King was on and it was one of my first times on him when I was in my late 20s. And he's like, what do you mean? You're not a coach. You don't run a sports team. And, and I was about to give it up and suddenly everybody became a coach. But see, when I became a you know, therapist, called themselves coaches, financial people became, everybody started using the term outside of sports. So, but I feel like I created a monster because, you know, when I started out, you had to be a therapist to charge and do this. How I got around it was, I said, screw that. I'm going to be known for results. So I would go to people and say, I'm going to do one session with you. You've been working on this for three years. One session, $1,000, you do not pay me if, the, if I don't get the result and if it doesn't last. If six months from now it doesn't, you get your money back. Well, my idea of coaching was being paid for results. Today, any idiot can hang up a shingle, especially with the web now, it costs you nothing. Call yourself a coach, charge people per hour, kind of present yourself on Facebook a certain way, and it's really unfortunate. So what do we do? It, it's made me frustrated because you have people that have never produced a result in their life coaching other people. I mean, would you go to somebody... Who's a you know who's on four different medications? Who's a therapist? Who's taking antidepressants so you can no longer be depressed? I sure hope not. Would you go to somebody who's fat to show you how to be fit? I hope not. But people do it all the time because there's no measurement. So the only good news that I can tell you is the best always rise to the top. And if you get real results in the world we live in today, good news travels fast and bad news travels faster with social media. So you know you can do nothing and have bad news, but if you really are the real thing and you do it year after year. Decade after decade, your brand's going to grow and people will come to you first. And the people that are terrible, they're going to be there. They're in every industry. They're terrible doctors, dentists, lawyers, teachers. They exist in every industry. You can't get rid of them except with radical transparency, with more and more social media, people are being held to a higher standard for the most part. And that's not going to do everything. So what you can do is communicate when you find something outstanding. Communicate how different it is than anything else. And when something's crap, communicate that as well. And I think most people are doing that in the world we live in today. And I think that's the ultimate balance or policing that can keep the industry from getting stronger. But I honestly don't relate to this as an industry. Um, you know, there's, there, unfortunately, there, aren't, there are great people in every industry, but they're not all great. And it's not the majority that are great. 
So I really look at it as what, what's going to make somebody's life greater? How do you help people improve the quality of their life? And that doesn't have to be an industry. It's a way of life. That's great advice, Tony. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I want to take this back around two and a half decades ago when you first wrote your book, Unlimited Power, back in 1987. I think I, that was the year I was born, right? Just to put things <laughs> into perspective for you. <laughs> but when you, I don't want to break your bubble, but it was 1985. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to get into like, you know, what was your mindset or mind state at the time when you're sitting down writing this book? Because I, I'm at the position right now where I'm sitting down writing my first book what would you say? What would your advice be? And, and like, how was it for you? Was it a long, drawn-out process? I mean, how did you get into your creative space? How was it for you? Well, how old are you, may I ask? I'm 27 years old. Okay, great. So I was 24, right? So uh, I had been in the business since I was 17. Um, so I had, you know, if you think about it, at that point, seven years of experience already. I had traveled the world. I had had tremendous exposure. And so I had tools that I had proven, that I, I wasn't writing about something that I'd read from someone else talking about. I could tell stories of turning around Olympic athletes and have them win the gold medal. I was able to share real results. So I think that what empowered me was I had lived such a full life. I always tell people, people say, how long does it take to get good at something? I say, how long do you want it to take? You know, you do something, when I first became a speaker, I worked in a company where the top guy used to speak three times a month. Three weeks out of the month, they go do a speech. And I remember I went up to him the first day and I said, remember my name because I'm going to dwarf you. And I just challenged him. And he looked at me like I was a punk kid. I said, you, you mark my words. And I'll say, I'll tell you why. Because I'm going to outwork you. Because I said, you do three speeches a month. I've made it really clear. I'm going to do three speeches a day, right? Wow. 12 days of my work will be a year of yours. You know, five years of your work will be literally six months of mine. And I said, that's how I'm going to dwarf you. Because I said, you're not growing still. And I'm going to grow faster because I'm going to put myself on the line. So I think there's no substitute for putting yourself on the line and having to produce results because then when you write about it, there's a truth. The ultimate ad advantage in business is the truth. The ultimate breakthrough is when you can do something and deliver something that no one else does. And so I think I had that. I knew I had some things to deliver that no one had delivered quite this way before and I was going to make it happen. As far as how I got myself in state, I'll tell you how ancient I am. I had one of the first portable max that weighs about 20 pounds it looked like a sewing machine you had to put blue discs in and out to save something about eight times um and it was just it was and it would blow up and it was a total pain so i would just go and i i would type out i uh, same way i wrote my book today i created like walls of mind maps and i wrote what i thought the chapter should be what the goals for each chapter would be what i want to deliver and i started brainstorming the best stories the best examples the most important principles I want to get across. And then I would sit down and I would just put myself in state and write for hours and hours. And then I'd go rewrite. And, and writing is not my favorite thing. In fact, this is the first book I've written in 20 years, even though it's not, you know, I'm not exactly like I'm not busy. I'm going to play in about every four or five days. I go to 15 countries a year. I see a quarter of a million people in my live seminars. You know, a couple of days ago, I was in Poland with 8,000 people. A couple of days after that, that was two days. I did four days in London with 7,700 people. I'm leaving day after tomorrow to go down to Australia for 10,000 people next week. And then I go to the Gold Coast where I've got a couple thousand for six days and nights. And I go to Singapore with 10,000 people. And then I go to China with 10,000 people. And I come home. That's just one little trip. So it's not like I've not been busy, but writing has been my least favorite thing to do because I don't like something solitary. I like to be up in a live environment where things are happening in real time and I can respond. But I think you just have to know what your purpose is. You have to know what your outcomes are. You got to put yourself in state. 
And then you just have to do the hard work of sticking with it and driving through and getting feedback till you get to where you really want to be. Yeah, that's right. Life is what you make it, right? Yeah. Put everything you got in everything you do and you got a formula for success in just about anything if you really do it. Now, Tony, I have a personal question. I run addictedtosuccess.com, which is one of the top self-development websites. And I receive around about 2 million views a month. Yes. And I feel like with the impact that we have at Addicted to Success, we could be doing more. You know, we could be giving back more. We could be contributing more. If you were in my shoes, what would you do in this situation? How would you maximize the impact? I'd say in the next 90 days, I'm going to go investigate things that I think might touch me, things that might move me. And I'd go see the work of what other people are doing in the contribution space and see what triggers you. Like a 90-day journey where once a week you go do something, once every 10 days you go do something as part of what somebody else is doing, and you find out what touches you the most. And then once you know what touches you the most, now you can brainstorm what would be the first way that I engage and give back in that area and get started. Don't wait for the ultimate you know, I started by feeding two families. Now I'm feeding 100 million this year, right? If you start by saying, oh, how do I feed 100 million people? You never get there. It's just like business today. You iterate. So if you're going to, you know, if you really want to get yourself started, though, I think you put yourself in the environment and find something that's going to strike you emotionally. There's so many great things that could hit you, but it needs to be something that you personally connect to. And you'll only know that by experiencing it. I always tell people, you know, a belief is a poor substitute for an experience. So go experience some of this and something will grab you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Tony. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome, Joel. And I just want to end the interview with this one last question. And his question is, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I'm hoping that's not for a long time, but I know the theme of it would be life is love and love is an act. It's not a thought. And so while you're alive, you only have so much time. And the more that you can have love be the guiding force in your decision-making, the more you're going to make decisions that not only fulfill you, but make your life meaningful. Not everything in life is happy. Not everything in life is uh, you know easy, but you can have something better than just happiness. You can have a life that's meaningful. You can have a life that matters if you let love and contribution be the driving force in your life. And they have another driving force in my life for you know four decades almost. It'll be my 38th year. I'm entering in now. And as long as I live, it will be. And so I know when time comes, you know, I'll be climbing a new mountain, not sliding back, but moving forward. And that would be my invitation to anyone that wants to have a meaningful and fulfilled life. Oh, I love it. Thanks a million, Tony. Thanks for joining us today. And for all the Aussies, Tony will be out in Australia very, very soon. So make sure you get your tickets. Make sure you pick up Money Master the Game. And thank you for tuning in to Addicted to Success podcast. Thanks, buddy. Take care of yourself, Joel. Yeah. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is Tony Robbins, the man himself. If you haven't already, make sure you head to one of his courses. Make sure that you check out one of his DVDs. Make sure that you listen to one of his audios because his advice is absolutely game-changing. And if you haven't already, make sure that you head over to morningmotivationcalls.com. I just launched the second series of the Morning Motivation Calls, which is 10 minutes every morning for the month of May of nothing but pure motivation, Uh, advice from world-class experts, high achievers, top leaders in a number of different industries that are sharing their success advice with you to inspire you, to empower you, to ride your day with momentum towards success. We'll be sharing advice on productivity, time management, charisma, being authentic, casting your vision, finding your why, achieving success, 
in all areas of your life. So make sure that you head over to morningmotivationcalls.com before you miss out. Last month was an absolute blast. We had so many amazing breakthroughs. I don't want you to miss this one. So head over to morningmotivationcalls.com, write it out, make every minute count, and live it up. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the next Addicted to Success podcast. Bye.